Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another On the Salt with Got One with Captain David Blinken. David, how are you doing? I'm great, Marvin. How are you doing after after all the shows and everything we've experienced the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I was happy uh, last weekend just to be home uh, and not at the airport on a Thursday or Friday. Uh, isn't that a great feeling? You get to go home, you get to crack a beer with friends, or more importantly, hang out with family and just relax. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was just shocked. I thought for sure I was going to get, you know, some nasty bug traveling three weeks in a row, but knock on wood, uh, I didn't. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to be home and, uh, you know, we'll talk about this probably a little bit later on in the episode, but, uh, you've got a pretty extensive travel schedule coming up here in a couple months. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And, uh, and, uh, it, at least, at least most of those pursuits are outdoors. The, the only part I got to worry about is the airport. <laughs> well, there you go. And, you know, we kind of put our heads together uh, before we, um, we started recording. And it's kind of funny. It sounds like, you know, you and I both kind of have a similar ebb and flow to our, uh, our life on the water. And so I'm kind of in that gearing up for fishing season. And it is, even though it's wet down here in the southeast, it's getting warmer. So uh, I noticed today that the uh, the red buds are starting to bloom. And, you know, one thing we thought would be helpful to coach folks through is cleaning their fly lines. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's it's like such a basic thing, but so many of us, you know, take it for granted. I mean, you know, I try to clean my lines at the end of the season, but invariably I'm just putting stuff away and I'm drying out the reels. And you know, something always falls by the wayside. So I'm like, you know, you wake up one morning and you're like, oh my God, I'm fishing the day after tomorrow. So, you know, I, I break out the terry cloth towel and maybe a little bit of ivory soap and a tub of warm water. And there I am with like 16 reels cleaning fly lines. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rinsing the lines after a little bit of ivory soap and the terry cloth towel. And then I'm, stripping them all out on the floor and letting them dry. And then of course, then the next thing I realized is, wait a second, I want to, I want to add something to the line. So they shoot even better. So then I'm taking out line dressing and whatever line dressing you use, the, the one the Royal Wolf has or Cortland or whichever manufacturer you use, you know, scientific angler. And there I am, and I'm, I'm like putting paste on the line or I'm, you know, doing line speed or whatever. And then again, I've got 16 reels of fly lines sitting around me, you know, drying so all that stuff stays on the line. It's it's kind of comical, but it's so incredibly important to your fly fishing experience to have a nice clean line. So when you're when you're casting, it, you know, you're you're saying to yourself, I knew I was able to cast better than this in November. What happened? And you know, and having a nice clean fly line uh, you know, gives you that sensation. <laughs> Yeah. And is there anything, David, you know, I kind of come at it from the, the trout world. Is there anything you do to dress, clean and dress lines in the salt water that you would do differently than say for a trout line? No, I, I pretty much do the same thing. It's, it's, you know, maybe a little mild soap and water to get whatever grit, if it's, if it's on there with a little oily residue off and then certainly rinsing any soapy product off the line. It, it's really important. And I do like pulling my lines through a dry terry cloth towel at the end of that, just to remove any additional grit. And and then it's just the line dressing of your choice, and then letting that dry. Um, and I usually don't, you know, I usually don't pull it through terry cloth or anything, you know. After that, I have these little 
rectangular boxes with these pads on them that um, that you can get from whoever owned Claire or Royal Wolf or whoever. And uh, and uh, and when I do the line dressing, I'm usually you know pulling the line through those little boxes, and it it uh, it does it does it does the trick very nicely. And uh, you know, cleaning line also adds adds uh, you know increases the life of your fly line. You know, if you leave a lot of saltwater residue on your fly line, even even though it's plastic and it's protected with various chemicals, whatever they use, you know, better living through chemistry. Um, you know, it's always better to take um, those things, you know, the salt, the salt off your fly line. And with the freshwater lines, you know, I, I, I probably don't do as much, um, you know, with my trout. You know, I still, I'll still clean it and make sure there's no grit, but I'll, I'll dress the line before I throw it back on the reel. It's a good idea. Yeah. And do you, I, I would assume you probably wrench your, your reels off every time, after every time you go out, right? After every session, those when I'm rinsing the boat and the trailer, the the reels get a good rinse, and and of course my rods and reels remain on my boat all the time, so they're they're air drying overnight, um, and uh, you know I'm usually in you know four or five in the afternoon, so you know they get they get a quick wash down. The reels probably get a better wash down than the rods, but you know fortunately with the with the rods I'm using, I've uh, nickel titanium guides, so they don't they don't corrode. So I don't have to worry so much about that. But the reels and the ro- and the lines, it's very important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess you know the only thing I can kind of add is to use incredibly mild soap. I use bar ivory soap because you know the last thing you want to do is to use something that's like uh, you know will take the um, the pattern off your china because um, it'll yeah it'll, it'll do bad things to your fly line. Yeah, I mean that's why I'll use liquid ivory or. Or maybe like a drop of Dawn or palm olive, you know. And and I don't use a lot. I don't want it like super sudgy. I just want it enough to just lift the grit off the line, with whatever it is. And certainly with salt water, um, warm water really makes a big difference um, for dissolving that salt. Yeah, absolutely. And got an interesting question to uh, for you for this episode too, David. About uh, we'll shift from fly lines to your advice for spotting fish on the flats. Wow. Well, you know, that is such a great question. And spotting fish on the flats is is really interesting because some people come by it naturally and see, but I mean, the the most important thing is having a good pair of polarized glasses, first and foremost. And and I would say if you're fishing inshore or certainly in a stream, I I kind of like the ambers and the browns. Um, they really, um, they, they cut down, uh, not just on the, uh, you know, polarized, not just doesn't cut down on the reflected light, but the embers and browns also, um, cut out that spectrum, uh, that, that color spectrum that makes it, um, sometimes a little more difficult to see fish. So that's the first thing you got to do. And the next thing is, and it's something I noticed with a lot of my clients after they've had the winter off is they're not seeing fish as well as they were at the end of the season. And that's simply because like any muscle, you've got to exercise that, that, that ability to spot. You got to kind of sit back and take the time to look at a fish and kind of get your brain reacclimated to seeing something that almost perfectly matches its environment and, and be able to see them. Um, in different water depth, they look different. And of course, bonefish and stripers are much different. The other thing you want to get used to is not necessarily looking for the fish, but looking for the shadows. 
um, because very often you can't see the fish. They're so mirrored that you're actually looking for the shadow, you know, going across the bottom. Um, and, and I would just say in many ways, sort of the long and short of it is it's practice makes perfect. Um, when I have a client who's never sight fished before, but you know, they're, they're a reasonably good fly angler. I will sometimes say to them, we're not fishing yet. And they'll be like, what? I'm like, no, I want to teach you how to see the fish so that when I'm saying there's a fish at 60 feet at, at, uh, at nine o'clock, you actually know what you're, you're looking for. Um, and that is kind of part of the education of, 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 fly fishing with me and and i assume some other guides probably do the same thing i don't think i'm unique in that in that area but helping people understand what they're looking for and how they're looking for it and the other thing you never want to do when you're sight fishing um is you don't want to stare at one particular spot in the water really sight fishing you're scanning and you're looking for some movement that's different than what you're seeing in relationship to features on the bottom. So if I'm fishing a rocky bottom and there's like five or six different rocks in a white sandy area, and suddenly I see something move within that area, that's probably a pretty good cue that there's a fish. So you, so looking at things in relation to, and in relationship to other things is, is also very helpful. Um, um, the harder bottoms to see things are, are grassy bottoms or things with variable colors or cobblestone, cobbly bottoms are very hard to see things. More uniform bottoms uh, certainly make it easier to see things. And other areas are like, I like fishing areas where there's grass and then there's white holes between the grass. And very often the fish are kind of laying in wait in those white holes. And sometimes it's easier to see them in those in those uh, areas, as they're waiting to ambush uh, fish as they come, you know, off you know, bait fish as they come off the grass. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the the three minute education on on sight fishing and spotting fish. Yeah, and so do you? I would imagine you probably also like to block side light with either kind of closed sunglasses or hoodies. Is that something you like to do? No, I, I don't necessarily do it. I I think it's important. To have a hat with a dark brim underneath because um, you don't want additional reflected light coming up into your face. That makes it very difficult. Um, I've never used side blockers on any of my glasses. I know some people who do. Um, but normally we're fishing with, with the light, you know, as straight overhead as possible. But I'll tell you something that is interesting um, that's kind of related in a way is sometimes you'll be out there and depending on the angle of the sun, you know, cocking your head left or right will give you better uh, sight line into the water. Um, just like, just like pivoting a polarizer on a camera. Um, and you'll, you'll notice that, um, that uh, when you're pivoting a polarizer and a camera, you're looking through it, you're going to see things differently. And, and the same thing can happen when we're out fly fishing and uh, I'll have uh, I'll have slightly lower light and if I tip my head left or right that kind of opens up um, that kind of opens up my world a little more looking down into the water 
and and it's very helpful. But normally when the sun is like kind of straight overhead, you know, from like 10 in the morning to like three in the afternoon, you don't need to do that quite as much. But in the earlier hours and later hours, certainly that tipping uh, of your head, um, like like twisting a polarizer on a camera, uh, really does go a long way. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I'm a huge fan. I always carry a long-brimmed Sims uh, hat that always has the black underside on the bill, and uh, I think it's invaluable. It, it is. I, I've actually... I, there's certain hats I used to love wearing, but they weren't dark underneath. So I used to go buy these Sharpies that were like us. <laughs> and I would just, I would just color the whole bottom. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, while you're listening to Pink Floyd, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would just do it. The whole thing black. It was great. Yeah. And, and, and I have a nice, like all my Patagonia hats, they're very smart. All my Patagonia fishing hats have, um, have dark under on undersides um and most of the hats made by like there's a company called andy's and and they make wonderful fishing hats with long brims and and they have dark undersides too and and like you know the quaker marine sword fishing hats and all that they're you know all those guys have made hats specifically for being out on the water so you know it it, it works out very nicely i mean you know um my New York Giants hat? No, <laughs> can't wear it fishing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably got it. Probably got a green underside. And I would tell you, I have a pair of Sunrise uh, Silver Maricostas that are amber that I think are the bomb for low light fishing. Yeah, I, I, I love my Costas for that too. And uh, and and I have I have different um, uh, I have different densities or colors with some of them. I and I wear glass primarily, but um, Costa does some really traditional wavelengths of light. Um, so on those exceedingly bright days, um, a little bit of mirroring, uh, can go a long way man, and save and, and also help your eyes out. Um, and then uh, I have other, I've got other lenses that are not that, that, uh, and normally I prefer to wear something that's not mirrored just because I want things to appear a little brighter. Um, and that's my preference, but it, it, it can't hurt to experiment with different, you know, color densities and mirrored versus not and, um, and see how that works for you. But I can't emphasize enough just being out there and practicing almost like going to the gym and just getting used to what you're seeing. And that, uh, that will, uh, that will really help a huge amount. It's not just glasses, but it's also you. Yeah, you got to go fish more, which is a great uh, answer to any question. <laughs> yeah, so it's being out there. Yeah, and you know, folks, we love questions on the Articulate Fly. You can email me or DM me on social media. As I always say, let's make David's life a little bit easier. And uh, remind you guys, you know, if you send in a question, we're going to enter a drawing for a Rise Fishing Company rod. And then if we use your question, we're going to draw from those folks, and you're going to have the chance to win a Norvice system, which I think is a pretty killer opportunity. It is. And, and, you know, we're going to have Tim on Masters of the Fly on February 25th, and that's going to be pretty exciting. We're going to get to watch him use Norvice, but more importantly, we want to see what Tim's going to come up with to tie. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Norvice folks, uh, one, I want to thank them for sponsoring the series, but they are, uh, they'll probably be executive platinum by the end of show season because they are going everywhere. And I think, uh, 
you know, the next two big shows for them that are coming up are Bellevue and Pleasanton. But they're, you know, if Tim and Michelle aren't going to be there, they've got all kinds of ambassadors all over the country. If you go to www.nor-vice.com, you'll see all of their upcoming shows listed. And, uh, you know, you owe it to yourself either to watch the Masters of the Fly episode uh, if you can't get to Tim and Michelle in person or meet them at a show. Because I do think that um, the Norvice is a very special tying product and, you know, you need to see it to kind of believe what it can do for you at the Vice. Well, it is a cool Vice, I got to say. <laughs> well, listen, folks, we're kind of in an interesting uh, season. You know, it's warm and wet here in the southeast. They're getting ready to get a foot of snow where David is. But, uh, you know... If you can't get out, tie some flies or go to a fly fishing show. Or if you're lucky enough, get out on the water and uh, catch some early season trout or whatever you like to chase on the fly. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines. <laughs>